The Garden Question is a podcast for people that love designing, building, and growing smarter gardens that work. Listen in as we talk with successful garden designers, builders, and growers, discovering their stories along with how they think, work, and grow. This is your next step in creating a beautiful, year-round, environmentally connected, low-maintenance, and healthy, thriving outdoor space. It doesn't matter if you're a beginner or an expert, there will always be something inspiring when you listen to the Garden Question podcast. Hello, I'm your host, Craig McManus. Fresh squeezed orange juice off your own tree is Charles Daniels' dream come true. In this episode, 36, Charles shares his successful backyard and greenhouse citrus growing experience. As a bonus, he also reveals his secrets for growing and harvesting olives, avocados, and pomegranates. You will probably remember Charles from episode 29, Why Camellias Work in Your Garden. This lawyer, banker, and successful business owner retired to his new passion for gardening. In addition to his own garden, he oversees some of the most unique and interesting gardens in the Savannah, Georgia area. In these gardens, you will often find many unique fruit-bearing plants. Charles is a University of Georgia certified plant professional and a Georgia certified landscape professional. This is episode 36, Homegrown Citrus with Charles Daniel on the Garden Question podcast. You're invited to ask your garden design, build, or grow question at thegardenquestion.com. Not only do you get a chance to ask your own question, but you might inspire the next episode of the Garden Question podcast. So go to thegardenquestion.com and ask your question. Charles, the last time we were together in episode 29, While Camellias Work in Your Garden, we briefly discussed the citrus you're growing at your home in Savannah, Georgia. That fascinated me, and I had no clue that was even possible. Today, I would like to talk about growing citrus in your home garden. When was citrus first grown in the United States? Craig, citrus was first introduced in the U.S. in St. Augustine, Florida, around 1565 by Spanish explorers. But we had a pretty big gap from that time period until the next real surge of citrus began, which was in the 1700s, first in Arizona and then in California. We really didn't begin citrus development in the Gulf Coast states in earnest until the 1940s. But unfortunately, we had a couple of decades following World War II where we had really hard winters and it just absolutely decimated citrus production in Florida. I remember in the 80s, I was on the way to Orlando, Florida for a football game, and I remember seeing miles and miles of dead citrus along the road. Where can citrus grow these days? They are developing citrus that can survive further north than that. Just as a side note, whenever I retired living in Atlanta, and the first thing that I did was build myself a little greenhouse so that I could have a dwarf lemon tree and a dwarf lime tree. So I would simply wheel those into the greenhouse over the winter and then take them out with a little two-wheel dolly that I got at Home Depot every spring. But I had two citrus trees that produced very well in the Atlanta area, but now they will not winter over there. It's a little too 
coup with the Georgia Citrus Initiative, which has been spearheaded by UGA. They are developing more and more colder hardy citrus that can be grown up into a little above Charleston. And we go west kind of across Statesboro and below the Macon area where we're still able to grow some citrus. But you also have to factor in a number of things when you start looking at citrus growing in those areas. You've got to look at such things as site selection, and we can get into that in a bit. It's important where you choose to plant it. Suffice it to say, we are getting several different varieties of citrus and other fruit-bearing trees. We're able to grow a little further north than we used to, actually for two reasons. One, we've got some cold-hardy rootstock. The other thing, quite frankly, is we are warming. You know, in Savannah, we're said to be an 8B. Well, really, we're more of a good, strong 9A now with the warming that we have had. What are the best citrus varieties to grow? Depends on where you are. It's interesting that UGA did a study. Believe it or not, the study was done in the 1880s. They surmised that probably the best citrus to grow in our area was the Awari Satsumas, and it's kind of like a smaller tangerine. But that study just kind of lay dormant for years and years. Well, now we've got pretty close to us here over in Statesboro. We've got a couple of fairly good size citrus farms that are growing different varieties of the Satsuma. So the Satsuma is certainly one. There are a couple of varieties of um, tangerines that are a little more cold hardy, which are the Dancy and the Pankin. In the oranges, the sweet oranges, a Hamlin and a Washington appear to be a little more cold hardy than some of the others. UGA has actually developed a couple of varieties that are very cold hardy. One is called a pink frost grapefruit, and then they have developed a lemon called the grand frost lemon, and those are very cold hardy. Are those still in the same region you're talking about, or are we going to be pushing it further north or up the coast? No, we can't get too much further up than maybe just south of Myrtle Beach. Now, I do have a customer up in Wilmington, North Carolina, and she has three fruit trees. Uh, we discussed at length before she installed them because in everybody's yard, they have typically little microclimates. What I mean by that is you have an area that is maybe shielded by a house and a garage, which is what I have here in Savannah. So my house and garage are kind of north and west, and my yard is south and Easts, I have a little microclimate in my backyard where it's more protected and it doesn't get nearly as cold in the wintertime in my backyard, which is open and sunny, than the other side of my house. That's one of the success factors. There are really five factors that you have to consider when you're planting citrus. Number one, you've got to look for the more cold hardy varieties. You just have to be careful with that when you go to your local nursery. The second thing is locate in your yard the best place that's going to give you the least chance of frost. Do you have a large hedgerow which protects part of your yard? Of course, proper installation of the plant, proper fertilization, and then your ongoing care and pruning. And you will be amazed at how much you will improve your chances for success. So that microclimate is going to include protecting you from that northwest wind. Huge. 
And if you can position it on more of the south, southeast side of, of a structure or a hedgerow, like you're saying, that that's what we're looking at. That's correct. And the other thing, too, is you're looking for six plus hours of sun, the more the better. Mm-hmm. You're looking for an area that drains well. Mm-hmm. The citrus does not like wet feet. And then the other thing that you need to consider is if you're doing more than one citrus plant, you need to look at the habit of whatever citrus you are considering and be sure that you give it enough room to grow. Quite frankly, one of the mistakes I made down here was I chose an avocado tree for my backyard, which is fairly small, and I really got the wrong avocado tree because it's getting quite large now in my backyard. It's a prolific producer, but it does impinge upon some of the other material that I have planted in my backyard. Where's the best place to buy citrus? Oh, that's a really good question. Um, If you've got a really good local nursery, you can obviously buy one. However, up in the Atlanta area and places like that, you're not going to find citrus. Even if you wanted to have citrus, you can always put a dwarf Meyer lemon in a Florida room if you have one. Because a dwarf Meyer lemon is only going to get maybe five feet tall and have a diameter of, of four feet or something like that. So it can very well fit into a brightly illuminated Florida room that's very open. And the fragrance that you get off of it when it's blooming in the wintertime is just astounding in your house. And then wheel it out in summertime on the patio. We also have a problem, too, in that certain areas you cannot ship citrus from. For instance, right now we're having a problem in buying citrus that is being grown in Florida because of the greening disease. And they do not want that greening disease to spread, so the citrus material has to stay in quarantine for a much longer period of time. So it makes it difficult to get citrus out of there. But you can go online and actually buy citrus from certain other places that it's produced, like quite a few producers or growers in the Louisiana, Texas area. And we can get citrus out of there. I was at a nursery oh, just a few weeks ago and he had some citrus there, but he said, I can't sell it to you because brand new restrictions because of the greening disease. He was listing all these things that he had to start doing if he was going to sell citrus. And I won't get into all the details, but it was rather amazing with the protection that they were putting on the citrus. That is correct, and that's one reason why the Georgia Citrus Initiative has really taken off. We've got a couple of really good growers in the southern part of Georgia down in Valdosta and then just west of Valdosta, where the greening disease uh, has not been a problem, and they can obviously ship from Valdosta to uh, Savannah or Valdosta to Waycross or other areas without any of the crossing the state line restrictions. It is something that you have to be very careful about. Yeah, and I guess the main point of that is is to protect the citrus industry that's sprouting up in South Georgia, right? That is correct. That is absolutely correct. Are you familiar with how that's grown, or can you give us any insight of how citrus has taken off for the state of Georgia? It really has dramatically increased in the last three to four years. I've forgotten now, I recently saw some figures, but literally the acreage under production has tripled in the last three or four 
years. And it's because, A, we have developed some very good cold-hardy rootstock, which will allow for the citrus trees to be grown a little further north. And B, because we have not experienced the greening disease here and the states of Florida and also Georgia have been very protective of trying to contain the greening disease and other citrus problems. In fact, I will tell you this, that when the University of Florida develops a new citrus product, they cannot ship it out of state for a period of three years until they have had the opportunity to watch it mature. Is there a band along the Gulf Coast that we're finding citrus is being grown now, or is it just more of a Georgia-Florida thing, maybe Texas thing? I have kids in Jackson, Mississippi, and have installed a couple of citrus trees for them there. So we're finding it in the southern United States here again because of our development of the cold hardy rootstock that we're being able to grow it more and more Louisiana, Texas, Panhandle of Florida, Alabama, and then on over into our area and then even to Charleston. Okay, let's say you're ready to buy a citrus plant and you're looking at them and I know rootstock is important, the pollination. Can you talk about those and any other thing that's important in selecting plants? Number one, if I'm going to buy a citrus tree, I'm not going to buy one that has less than about an inch to an inch and a half caliper. And the caliper is the diameter of the trunk, six inches above the dirt line in the pot, if you will. And the reason for that is that means that that plant is more than two years old, which is important to me since I'm one of the senior citizens. I'm more into instant gratification than I am waiting on things to mature. Yeah. That's very, very important. The other thing is we talked about selection of where to plant. That is extremely important as well. Find the best microclimate that you have got in your yard. The other thing is you need to clean an area, no weeds, no grass, about four to five feet in diameter when you plant. The other thing is when you plant, you need to be sure that you are digging the hole twice as wide as the container that you brought home. Most people make the mistake of thinking that you have to plant deeper than you do. You don't. All you need to do is dig a hole that is the same depth as your dirt line in the container in which you purchased the plant. Digging it twice as wide is more important. You want a nice, soft soil for those roots to expand. The roots expand more laterally than they do vertically. So it's important to get that hole twice as wide as the container that it comes in. The other thing that I have found over time is that I use a product called Biotone, and that's capital B-I-O, capital T-O-N-E. It is made by a company here in the United States, Espoma, there in Pennsylvania. It contains a material called mycorrhizae, and the mycorrhizae will attach to the root system of the plant and actually create or puncture holes, if you will. This is really an oversimplification. Gives the roots more opportunity to uptake nutrients, which are vital for a good, strong root system. Use the biotone, and I use it only at the time of installation, but I highly recommend that to anyone that I'm working with. What type soils work best? 
Well, typically, you know, you want to be a little more sandy and a little more loamy. That gets to be a problem when you get too far inland off of the coast. But if you will spend time on the whole preparation, that's where you're going to get a better result. Make it a little wider. That way you can you can even work in some sand or lighter material into your soil to make sure that it drains well. Drainage is a real key issue with citrus. So no wet feet. No wet feet. What type of mulch works best? Really, that's personal preference. The big thing about the mulch is what is the look that you're looking for. The key thing there is make sure that your mulch is a couple of three inches thick, but don't bring it right up to the trunk of the material. Leave a little area, two, three inches, where you don't have mulch because mulch is a wonderful transfer agent for disease and insects. Yeah, that's pretty much true on anything you plant, right? Absolutely. You know, we see it all the time with our local landscapers. They want to get in. And I understand operating as quickly as you possibly can, but they will absolutely put mulch right up against the stem of any plant material, and that's not good. More about homegrown citrus with Charles Daniel after this. TheGardenQuestion.com is an awesome website because we expand each podcast episode with accurate resources and links for gardeners. You can also listen to every single episode again as many times as you like. Think of it as an extension of the podcast at TheGardenQuestion.com. Back to the citrus. And we talked about watering and not having wet feet. How important is it to water it, say, for the first year and then after that? Watering for the first year is very important, and watering right when you install is very important. First thing, we want to absolutely drench it good when we put it in. Craig, as you know, the reason for that is not necessarily to wet the root ball, but it's more about making certain that you have no air pockets in and around the root ball because that can kill the root ball as well. We want to water it in thoroughly when we put it in the ground. Then for the first two weeks, we want to water it every day. And then for the succeeding two to three weeks, we want to water it about every other day. Then you can water it once or twice a week for the first year until it sets in and Mother Nature takes over. Talked about the biotone when you plant, but is there nutrition that you need to be supplementing the soils with afterwards? Yes, and there are a couple of things that we need to speak about there. Number one, if you happen to be planting citrus in large planters and you have them on a patio or a porch or that kind of thing, you need to be fertilizing those about every 30 to 45 days. Because when you have the fertilizer in a pot, it leaches out quicker because you're having to water a little more because the pot tends to dry out more quickly than if you have the material in the ground. So you need to be a little bit careful there. I use a product on all of my citrus called Citrus Tone, and that's capital C-I-T-R-U-S, capital T-O-N-E. It too is made by Espoma and is an all-natural ingredient, but I have found it to be very good. There are other very good citrus fertilizers out there. When I find something that works, I tend to stay with it until it proves me wrong. I've been very successful with the citrus tone and would highly recommend it to our listeners. I fertilize my citrus every six to eight weeks. I fertilize from really toward the end of February until October. 
and I do not feed any at all from toward the middle to latter part of October until February. We need to let the citrus have a rest period where it is not particularly pushing new growth, needs a little bit of dormancy just like everything else. One thing about the fertilization that I did not previously mentioned is it's important that you pull your mulch back when you fertilize and you fertilize at the drip line. That is the outer edges of the canopy itself because at the drip line, you have more fibrous roots which uptake the nutrients to the plant itself. So you want to be fertilizing at the drip line or close to the drip line, not right around the stem. You need to pull your mulch back whenever you do that and then water it in thoroughly and then reinstall your mulch back around it. The mulch will also help you retain moisture around the plant warmer, drier months. The mulching is very important. Talked about this earlier of not having grass or clearing back any undergrowth under the tree. So that's pretty much the way you're going to grow that tree is just mulch under it, but you're not going to have any other plantings under that tree, right? That is correct. Is it competition that's going on there that you don't want to compare? with a citrus tree? Citrus, if you'll think about what we just talked about, citrus is obviously a very heavy feeder. Mm -hmm. It does not need competition. There's always a chance of freezing weather. What's some good cold protecting strategies for citrus? A couple of different things. Number one, if you have planted your citrus in large planters, and maybe you have them on a patio or deck or something like that, the first thing is you want to absolutely soak that planter if you're in danger of having freezing weather. The idea is that if you have absolutely soaked it and you've got moisture in your soil medium around the root ball, that is going to freeze around the root ball and protect it. If you don't soak it, then the moisture that is in the root ball will freeze and you will lose your material. I will tell you this, Greg, we had, not long after I moved here, we had the first snow that we had had in over a 100 years here in Savannah or or any accumulation. And we had like five inches. And I lost almost all of the leaves off of all of the citrus that I have in the yard. But we were fortunate in that the freeze didn't go down in our soil half inch to an inch. The root balls were protected. It took us a year to recover. But in the second year after the snow, we absolutely had bumper crops with our citrus. Even if you get a freeze and even if you have leaf damage, the big thing is you want to protect that root ball. If you've got them in the ground, the one thing that you can do is simply throw a sheet over them. That will help them immensely. We have folks down here, when we have a cold snap, we'll actually put Christmas lights all over their citrus for a little warming effect as well. Any little bit that you do can be extremely beneficial. I've heard in the orchards before, and I don't know if this is still a practice, but where they would freeze the orchard or they would put sprinklers on it during that freeze period, is that still practiced or is that practical for the homeowner? It's not really that practical for the homeowner, but remember what we talked about soaking. If you have it in a planter, well, I soak my stuff in the ground as well. I did before we had the snowfall here in Savannah, and it worked extremely well because what will happen is that ice will freeze against the base 
base of the tree and really protect the root ball. So that's all that the growers in the fields down in Florida and North Florida and Southern Georgia are doing to protect their product is they're protecting in particular that root ball because they know the leaf structure or the limb structure will come back. I don't know where I learned this, and I don't quite understand it about freezing water gives off BTUs, which protects those branches. Correct. I never quite grasped that in my mind, but I've read that. Do you know how that works? I'm not really that familiar with it. I understand that you describe the basic process that's involved, but not really that familiar with it because we fortunately have not had to deal with it. I don't know. It's just something that didn't add up in my mind how... <laughs> Freezing water is giving off heat, but I that'll be you. a discussion for another day, I guess. There you go. <laughs> How about pruning? When you first plant your citrus, do you prune it? And why do you maintain it in your pruning practices? You talk to that. Pruning, in my mind, it's fairly important. There are a lot of folks who grow citrus that prune very little and they're successful, but I'm just kind of a stickler about pruning. I guess that's my background with other ornamental plant material. I'm pretty particular about pruning with my citrus. I really kind of follow the three Ds, and that is the dead, deceased, and the disorderly. And I prune right after I have picked my crop. That is a little bit of a problem with, for instance, like a Meyer lemon. A Meyer lemon in my backyard where I've got fruit that is maturing right now, and I'm having flowering already. Typically, what you want to do is you want to prune right after fruit production period and before the flowers start coming out. If you prune later than that, you're obviously going to cut off your flowering and your fruit set. Pruning, I think, is more appropriate right after the fruit has been collected. The first thing that I do is I get rid of any dead branches, any vertical or rubbing branches. The other thing that you do for a couple of reasons is you want to flatten that canopy just a little bit because you want to allow for, A, more sun penetration, and B, if you flatten that canopy, it's a little easier to pick your fruit. I've got one orange tree that I'm probably going to get rid of this year because I did not prune it back as much as I should have over the last few years, and I literally can't reach some of the fruit on the orange trees. Uh, I would encourage people to flatten the canopy a little bit because it really, really does help a lot with getting some sunlight into the canopy. Uh, as I said, you do need to remove any diseased branches and prune branches at a 45-degree angle. That will allow for rain to run off or moisture to run off so that it does not stay over that open wound and just simply sit there. That's where we have disease to occur as a result of a flat cut, moisture just staying right on it. One thing too, Craig, I'd like to point out to your listeners is be sure that your pruners are clean. Uh, it's very easy to do. All you got to do is dip them in one part bleach and nine parts water or use a little rubbing alcohol, but clean your pruners and sharpen them. If you use good sharp pruners, then you're going to make a nice clean cut and you're not going to wound the branch nearly as badly as when you're using some pruners that are not very sharp. The last point I wouldn't like to make is don't be afraid. Don't worry. Oops, I may have over pruned. It will be okay. The citrus will come back. If you follow the three D's, the dead, diseased, and disorderly, that you'll be successful with your pruning. Cut is a 45-degree cut. And when you're looking, say, at a bird's-eye view on your tree, you're looking down and you're seeing more the interior of the plant because that allows light to come in, obviously. And Right. 
light equals fruit. You're going to produce more fruit that way. And then if you're not overlapping one branch over another, say if you have a five-star pattern radiating from the center, then your next layer of branching needs to kind of turn a little bit and be in between those branching. Is that the, still the same? Correct. Okay, good. Let's say you're in an area where it's just too cold to grow citrus, and but you still want that fresh, squeezed juice every morning. You talked about your experience in Atlanta with your greenhouse there and wheeling things in and out. Are there little tricks or tips as far as growing in a greenhouse or growing in a sunroom that you can add to what you've already said? You're going to follow pretty much the same type of fertilizing we talked about. If you're in a container, then you've got to fertilize a little bit more often just because every time you water, you are going to lose some of the nutrient value of your fertilizer. Unfortunately, with the citrus, you have all of it maturing at the same time. So I had all of the Meyer lemons and all of the key limes kind of come in at the same time. So what I did there was went and purchased some old large size ice trays. I actually bought a hand press from Amazon, press the fruit, press the juice into a pitcher, fill the ice trays, turn the freezer up on flash freeze and froze the citrus into cubes and drop them into plastic bags and had fresh squeezed lemon and lime all year long. Wow, I haven't heard of that. That's great to know. I would like to touch base on a couple of other fruit-producing trees that we discussed before, and that was avocados and olives. Would you talk about growing avocados? I know you've already talked about having an avocado tree. Yeah, I did, and I purchased the wrong one. And that's one thing you need to be careful with, not only on the avocados, but also on the olives. Some of the varieties of avocados get very, very large. They need to find varieties that are a little more cold-hardy, and there are three varieties varieties that are pretty cold hardy, the Brazos Bell, the Fantastic, and the Joey. None of those get terribly large. There's a dwarf that has just recently come on the market in the last couple of years called the Little Cotto. And the Little Cotto is a dwarf variety that only gets about four to five feet tall. I've not tried to use it in a container yet, but I'm very interested to try to use it in a container to see if it would do well there. The avocados, they've got to have a little bit of maturity on them. The first year that I had my avocado, I had maybe two or three. And then the second, and this was a fairly mature plant. And then the second or third year, I had probably 25 or 30. Well, this past year, we literally had fruit drop because the limbs could not support what we had. Avocado is just really, really neat to grow. And you use a little bit of the same fertilization every six to eight weeks. Do not fertilize during the kind of dormancy period of late October into February. I've already got fruit set on my avocado. I noticed that this week when I was out doing some work. I think that avocado get overlooked quite a bit. A couple of other things too is the pomegranate. And I did have two pomegranates in Atlanta in my yard that did quite well. We had a really, really bad cold freeze back several years ago where it just really shut Atlanta down. And that was right before we moved. That kind of zapped my pomegranate so they can grow further north. The wonderful pomegranate 
that's a variety. And there's also, I think it's called a hardy Russian, I believe, that is very cold hardy as well. Those two are like the avocado in that they've got to get some maturity before you get production. I had about 20 this year on my pomegranate tree, and that's the most that I've had. So I think that that's kind of a neat fruit to grow. And then lastly, you mentioned also the olives. Olives, I think, are very interesting as well and somewhat neglected in our landscape. We've actually had olive trees here in the Savannah area since 1733 when they were introduced into the Savannah Trustees Garden. The Savannah Trustees Garden was the oldest experimental agricultural station in North America. There is some evidence that Thomas Jefferson actually brought some olives to the Charleston area in 1791. Unfortunately, he brought the wrong cultivar and they did not do very well. I'm starting to use them in some of my landscape just simply because of the color of the foliage. It's a different color of green and there are several different varieties. There is actually a dwarf called a little olive, which you can grow. doesn't produce very much fruit, however. What's really interesting, Craig, is people don't realize how old olive trees can be. There is one in the Mediterranean. I've forgotten which country it's in. Scientists are saying that it is about 2,000 years old, and it's not uncommon in the Mediterranean to have 300 to 600-year-old olive trees. We've got a couple that grow really, really well here. One is called the Arbequina, which is a northern Spanish origin, and then Mission Avocado, which comes from California. The Arbequina is not quite as large. The Mission is very, very large. They're kind of neat plants. The Arbequina, that's A-R-B-E-Q-U-I-N-A, and the Mission are probably the two best for us to grow in our area. Would you review the most important things to remember in what it takes to be successful and to grow citrus? I think it's important for people to keep in mind what I call the success factors. And that is, number one, let's be sure that you're getting one of the more cold-hardy varieties of either citrus, avocado, whatever fruit tree that you're looking for. Secondly is take the time to be sure that you're planting it in the most advantageous place, microclimate standpoint in your yard. Be sure that you install it the way we've talked about it. You do have to fertilize it and take care of. It, following the three D's on the pruning, the dead, diseased, and disorderly, and you should be successful in your citrus growing. This has been episode 36, Homegrown Citrus with Charles Daniel. Thank you, Charles. You're awesome. The goal is that every episode is valuable and well worth your time. Please generously share the Garden Question podcast with your friends, relatives, and neighbors. Check out our website, thegardenquestion.com, for links, resources, and where you can listen to every episode again and again. You will not want to miss a weekly episode, so please subscribe to the Garden Question podcast with Craig McManus on your favorite listening app. Keep on designing, building, and growing a smarter garden that works.